politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Adam. Travis, I'm glad you started this because, boy, do I have stuff to talk to you about Bo. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me, Adam. Wait a minute. That voice sounded a little higher than Travis's voice now. No. No, this is Bo. I'm right here. Hi. If that's Bo, what's the name of your bear? I think it's Kenneth. Oh, right. Cool. I'm so confused. Yeah. (laughs) Well, last week I said that if you have your personal information out there, you're probably going to get hacked. It's almost as irresistible as the coronavirus, COVID-19, which two days later I got. So I guess that's why I sound like this today. Hi, it's Bo. Can we call it Bovid? Bovid COVID. Yes. I sent something to you, Travis, just now. I got an email asking what what manager they should use. I said, I'm not going to tell you a particular one because if it goes wrong, I don't want to have you come back to me and complain. But I will tell you some basic uh, things, which is, you know, you should pay for it and you should read reviews before you, you, you choose. And you should hire the manager for the Eagles. Oh, wrong manager. <laughs> so, so um, I sent the email and I immediately got an Earthlink email saying, could you please hit this link and confirm your identity? Do you think that was a hack? Do you think that was a spear phishing email? Or do you think somebody was actually listening to the show and asking a question about password managers? I think someone was listening to the show and actually asking a question about password managers. We've uh, beaten that drum a few times. I think it's totally fair that uh, someone would want to write in and ask more. I think that I think that I'm right and Travis is wrong because if I were looking to hack somebody and I listened to this show, I'd be looking for some clever ways to do it, to clone Earthlink's verification system. Did you say Earthlink link or Earthling link? No, Earthlink. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And that to me seems like a clever way to do it. Yeah, but the link in there went to an actual earthlink.net link. It wasn't a spoof link or anything like that. Um, and Earthlink is part of its services does have a spam protection thing that uh, will block um, incoming or unrecognized email addresses. All right. I might have COVID, but on your feet, buddy. Yep. You are, did you check that URL to see that there were no Russian, uh, <clears throat> Russian alphabetic, uh, you know, Cyrillic letters in there? I did. Replace it. 
You did? Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Mm. And it was Yiddish. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then the other question is, it would be if there were a Cyrillic character in there, what do you call that? Type squat? Um, URL typo squatting? Or how do you do that? What do you call that? Uh, typo squatting is a good name for it. Kind of typo squatting. Yeah. So so if there had been, wouldn't it be pretty easy for, for the link to go to a site that looked like Earthlink? You could, but... I think one of the um, things, especially if you're looking at a message on Gmail, the font mm-hmm. that they use makes it look a lot more apparent. I think it's a Arial font by default. Mm-hmm. And so if you have something like a Cyrillic uh, character replacing something, or if you are using um, zeros instead of O's, that font usually makes it pretty easy to uh, confirm. Also, right. if you mouse over the link, it'll tell you whether the destination is. So if you get something in um, in your email, you can say like, this is CNN.com and it's actually going to, I'm going to hack you.ru or something. Wait, like that. wait, wait, Travis, do that again. This is CNN.com. This is CNN.com. <laughs> I think we're going to lose Travis. They're going <laughs> to want his voice. And why are we talking about like, Mice and Cyrillic pottery. What does that have to do? With- okay, so Cyrillic alphabet is the is the alphabet that a lot of languages are are uh, in in Eastern Europe um, are written in, and they are often used for typo squatting on URLs, which just means that they'll take a Russian character, what we would call a Russian character, Cyrillic character, and that looks just like an English one, and replace it in a URL. So does that mean since Putin is a Russian character, we could get him replaced too? Yeah. Hmm. No dispute in that Putin. I got nothing for that one. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, that was pretty terrible, actually. <laughs> Welcome to What the Hack, the show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, Cyber Starman. I'm Bo, Cyber Horse. I'm Travis, Cyber Sidekick. And today we're talking with one of America's top consumer experts. He's a contributing editor at Checkbook.org and host of the podcast Consumerpedia. Please welcome television broadcaster and personality, the one, the only... Consumerman. Herb Weisbaum. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. 
Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So Herb, with an unbelievably impressive resume like you have, and you really have been the consumer's guardian, and you and I have worked together for, golly, way over 20 years, all the way back to the Credit Card Reform Act, Mm. Uh, and before that, uh, you know, you've always stood up, and that's a pretty exciting thing about standing up. So the question is, how did you get into this business? How did you want to become the voice of the consumer? Was there something in your life, some mysterious part of your past that I don't know about, that brought you to where we are today? By the way, as I'm getting older, it's harder and harder to stand up. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, people ask me that, and I always tell this story. It's not necessarily the reason, but it's one of the things that I just look back on. When I was a teenager in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, and I was driving home from uh, visiting my girlfriend, the car, my old car broke down. It was a Plymouth Plymouth. They ran out of names, so they called it a Plymouth Plymouth. Do you recall that model? It was the first car with a push button on the dashboard instead of a stick or a automatic. You had to push buttons on the dashboard. I remember that. What year was the Plymouth Plymouth? I think it was a 64 Plymouth Plymouth, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. And so I'm along the side of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and my dad comes, gets me, uh, and uh, tows me back to home. And we take it to one of the famous um, auto transmission places. And the guy puts it up on a lift and uh, he says, yeah, uh, it's going to cost like $400 to fix this thing. And back, you know, when I was 16 years old, that, that was a lot of money, $400. It's a lot of money now, but it's really a lot of money back then. And my father said, and I don't know why he said this, he says, you know, the Plymouth dealership is two more miles down the road and they've always been good to us. Why don't we just tow it down there and get a second opinion? And we took it down to the Plymouth dealership down the road and the guy puts it up on the lift and a couple of minutes later he says, okay, you're good to go. It's like, what? He says, yeah, it was like a loose screw or something. We fixed it and everything's good and have a nice day. And I was like, wow. I realized at that point in time that everybody wasn't honest, that some people are out to make money off of you or to lie to you. I mean, I'm not saying that that from there I became a consumer reporter, but I, I learned at a very young age that people don't always tell the truth and don't always do the right thing. And my father was a pharmacist in King of Prussia, and he taught me you always try to do the right thing. I remember him taking prescriptions to people in a snowstorm on a sled. He walked a couple of miles to deliver stuff to people. He was the first person to give people credit before there were even things like credit cards because he knew they hoped they would pay their bills. So I just at a very young age was taught that this was something 
do the right thing, but that not everybody did the right thing. Boy, are you right about that. Who was the king of Prussia? The king of Prussia was the king of Prussia who uh, came over in the, in the uh, Revolutionary War and the Valley Forge, which is right next to the king of Prussia, and helped uh, the uh, George Washington and his uh, soldiers uh, defeat the British. And a lot of people think the king of Prussia was named after the king of Prussia, but they'd be wrong. The king of Prussia is named after the king of Prussia Inn, which is named after the king of Prussia, which is right in the middle of US 202, completely isolated. It's in the middle of nowhere, but that was built during the Revolutionary War, the king of Prussia Inn. So it's almost another Plymouth Plymouth. It's, <laughs> it's almost another Plymouth Plymouth. That is correct. Okay, so I have a story. Do you remember getting in touch with me, I don't know, 10 or 20,000 years ago? Sure. Um, well, <laughs> we all have such good memories as we get older. You were doing a story about credit freezes. Do you remember this? Well, I know I did stories on credit freezes, yeah. Do you remember you had a theory? I think it was about maybe Experian? What happened to me, Herb, is you had called me up and said, hey, can you do me a favor? I just want you to remove your freeze from Experian for a second because I want to check something out. And tell me what message you get. Okay. Do you remember this at all? I'm sorry, I don't. Go ahead. But I'm sure it's okay. all true. No, it's fine. I did it. And then I promptly forgot all about it. Mm. Until I got a letter <laughs> in the mail <laughs> saying... Mr. Friedlander, we're sorry to say that we were unable to authorize this credit line that you wanted to do uh, because you didn't call us back when we called to check, which was, you know, great that yeah. it worked, even though my freeze was out uh, off. Right. But I got, so I put my freeze back on when I realized what had happened and I got like 20 of those letters oh. going forward. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> No, I loved it. The consumer protector working with another consumer protector. We we have to take the hits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's come a long way since then, but I still have problems with the fact they keep trying to upsell you and market you stuff every single time you go on and try to do something about that. That's that's one of my bones. But now that with the instant on, instant off, and the whole routine, it certainly has gotten a lot better than when I allegedly contacted you way back when that I have no, no idea. You're, you're like the person who comes to me in the supermarket aisle. <laughs> I'm checking out and a person comes to me. I don't know if you remember me, but I wrote you a letter 20 years ago. Well, first of all, you wrote me a letter. I never saw you. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're the I one. Helping, you wrote me a letter. <laughs> I was helping you, Weissbaum. Okay. So come on. Hey, thank but you. You're a great thing, man. I have, it has actually gotten a lot better. And and I now, I keep my, my I won't say which ones, but I keep two of my uh, of my accounts frozen. Mm -hmm. And then I keep one locked. Okay. And the one I keep locked is the one that I found is most often used by people. And so that I can, in uh, you know, in-app, on my phone, just unlock it real quick, lock it again. I find that that works. What do you think about that, Herb? Well, the difference between the freeze and the lock, obviously, is that it's not federally regulated, uh, number one. Number two, a lot of people who do that get marketing material. They, they have the right to collect your, some information on you, which I don't like. Uh, it's so easy now to unfreeze your account. Uh, when I bought my car two years ago, I went to the credit manager and I said, who do you use? And he said, whichever one of the three they use. And I got online. I unfroze it for 24, uh, thought it for 48 hours. He did the credit check. It froze itself back again. It refroze. It was not a hassle. I'm just not a big believer in, in just the, all the marketing stuff they send your way. So I'm a big believer in the freeze as opposed to the as opposed to the lock. What information do they harvest with a lock? 
I don't know. All I know is that they can, I mean, these guys have everything anyway, but I just know that they're able to use it to market you. That's the difference. It's not the collecting, it's the marketing where they can't market you if it's a federal uh, freeze because it's federally regulated, but with a, with a block, they can, they can send you marketing stuff for financial products and that sort of thing. So I just don't want to deal with it. I think the other question I have, and this is just more for the audience. Um, each time I've uh, suggested to people, um, you know, not on the show that they freeze their credit, they also freeze somewhat ironically because they seem to think it's going to be some huge daunting task to do it. Um, when you say it's gotten easier, what should people know? I mean, you go online, you answer a few questions, you set up a pin. Uh, and I don't know, I can't remember I done it a while ago, but I think it's, you know, like a couple of minutes at the most of make sure you put the pin somewhere safely, the uh, secure where you can get it if, if you need it, because if not, you're going to jump through a million hoops and to unlock it. You can literally uh, do it again. Just go right online or on your phone and you can do it. And it, it happens almost instantaneously. I think it's 30 minutes or less it's required, but it happens almost instantaneously. Um, it's the only thing you can do to actively proactively stop bad guys from opening new accounts in your name. Everything else, all the credit monitoring, all the other stuff you pay for is all the horses already out of the barn. This is the one thing that can keep the horse in the barn from, from getting out. And um, I had a situation a couple of years ago where my wife uh, had a bank uh, credit union account. And I wanted to put my name on the account and I forgot that I had a, a freeze on all my, my, uh, my credit uh, reports. And she called from the bank. She says, they're telling me they can't put you on. We have a freeze. It's like, right. Yes, it did exactly what it was supposed to do, because if I'd been a bad guy trying to get on that account, it would have blocked me from doing it. I had no need to be on the account. Really, I didn't bother with it, but it actually worked in real time, in real life. It did what what it was supposed to do if I'd been a bad guy trying to get on my account. I just it's easy. It's free. It doesn't affect anything with your other creditors. It doesn't affect your credit score. Another big myth. And a lot of people who get uh, the Identity Theft Resource Center, who I know Adam works with a lot, uh, they they just did a recent study where people who get the data breach notices do not respond by making sure their, their accounts are frozen, which is probably the number one thing you should do. Well, you don't even have to wait for data breach. Your stuff's out there, as you guys all know. You should be doing that proactively now. But it's I can't encourage people enough to do that. And for your, and as Adam would say, and for your kids, Javelin says one yes. two five million kids had their identity stolen last year. One point two five million. So Herb, while we're on the while we're on a roll here on freezes, how easy is it to be able to freeze your kids' credit now? Uh, I haven't done it because I have no kids, but it takes a little bit more hoops to jump through. You have to prove first of all who you are. And then you have to prove that you're their parent or the guardian, uh, just a little bit more paperwork. But I know a lot of parents who've done it and it wasn't that big a deal. And it's certainly something that you could really do to protect your kids. I mean, just, to, I, I can't imagine if, you know, your, your kid decides to gets old enough to get a credit card or a student loan, all of a sudden everything is blocked and stopped because, you know, you've had all these credit cards and run up all these bills and are delinquent and have defaults and all this kind of thing. And your kid never had any of that kind of stuff because some bad guy created a synthetic identity and is playing your kid. I mean, this is the one really financial thing you can do to protect your kid. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. 
Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Anyway, Herb, we did want to talk about a couple things. One of the things is, you know, a huge problem and getting bigger by the minute are all of these cryptocurrency scams. I mean, cryptocurrency is definitely the brave new world and a lot of people have made a lot of money with it. A lot of people have lost a lot of money with it. And then there are those people who say, let us use this as an opportunity for us to make ourselves a lot of money by getting you to lose a lot of money. So you have some crypto stories for us, right? Yeah, I mean, no matter what you think, what your opinion is on cryptocurrency, the bottom line of the story that I wrote for checkbook.org is you don't want to be giving your money to a criminal, a con artist who says they're going to invest for you because you're absolutely going to lose. And um, there's a couple of things going on here, but basically, as you know, the criminals go where the action is. The action is on cyber currency right now and the action is all also on facebook now so they're trying to become friends with people and you know everybody just clicks and they want all these likes and friends and all this kind of stuff so they're they're uh, pretending to be your friend and then what they want to do is they know where the great investments are in cryptocurrency they've made a lot of money in cryptocurrency in some cases they'll show you bogus screenshots or text you information about how wonderful the investment is and how much money they'll make and they want you to get in on the action in the story i actually have a text that somebody who lost money to a cryptocurrency scam uh sent me and they sent the better business bureau which provided it to me and i mean the the claims are outrageous and if somebody said this to you and they walked to you up, up walked up to you on a street you'd laugh and walk away but somehow because it's in a text message oh yeah this is great if you give me three hundred dollars you'll get back sixty seven hundred dollars uh daily profit daily four hundred dollars eighty five hundred dollars profit daily five hundred dollars to get ten thousand dollars profit daily guaranteed nobody can guarantee it and again if i if you walked up to me in the street adam and said that i'd walk away laughing but for some reason it comes in on a social media message or a text message and all of a sudden people are believing this thing um you know there well, are bernie madoff right i'll give you this return and i guarantee this return yeah although he because it was a ponzi scheme he had some people that were actually saying that they that they got the money you know so he could use that what's happening here is that people now the technology has advanced so much since Bernie Madoff that they can actually create fake results they actually some of these companies are so sophisticated now that they actually have websites bogus websites where you can track your investment and they'll give you phony results 
and or they have customer service people. You can call up a customer service line and talk to somebody who will tell you all about your investment. The problem is that when you go to try to take out your earnings, you can never get your earnings back. I spoke to a guy in Massachusetts. He lost $50,000. So he had a new Facebook friend. And she told him that this was going to be a great investment. So he decided to start slowly, $25,000. I don't consider that slowly, but he started with $25,000. And he did really well. And she told him, if you put another $25,000 in, you can increase your uh, results even faster. So he put another $25,000 in. And before long, he supposedly had $560,000. They showed him. It was right there on his account. It was right there on the screen. So he decided, I'm going to take out my initial $50,000 investment to protect myself and everything else can be funny money. They gave him the runaround for a couple of weeks. And then they told him that he'd have to withdraw the entire amount if he wanted to get his money back. And he would have to pay an overseas handling fee of $28,000. Couldn't take his earnings and use that for the fee. This had to be fresh money. He had to put, and that's what they always do. You can't take it out of what you made. You got to give us fresh money, another way to steal even more money for you. So he realizes that he was dealing with a con artist. He filed complaints with the police in Hong Kong where they were based, the FBI, the BBB. But he realizes that he's never going to see his money again and said, people need to be really skeptical of a new Facebook friend or someone who encourages you to do this. One thing that stuck up to me when you were talking uh, is, you know, there's a term I'd never heard before. And if someone used it in, 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 in uh, about an investment, I would stop in my tracks, which is fresh money. Mm -hmm. I've never mm -hmm. heard that phrase before, but I'm definitely not going to offer any. Right. And I don't know that anybody ever uses that term, but what they tell them is they've got to, it is, you know, what the, the bottom line is, you, you have all this money. I can't take my, my, my fees out of that money. I mean, it's like, no, nope, it makes no it. sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. But of course, by that point, they got your money and you're, and they're gone and you're, and you're never going to see your money again. The other thing is um, that what they're now doing is, and this is a, a great use of con artist skills. They're combining the romance scam with the crypto scam. So in the old days, when we first started reporting on romance scams, you know, you fell in love with someone online, which I, to this day, don't know how that ever happens, but that happens all the time. So you fall in love with this person and it used to be that they gave you a sob story. I'm, I'm sick. I need some money. I'm overseas. I need to get back. My daughter has an operation. Could you please, whatever it is, and you had to give them money. Now they're pretending to be a brilliant crypto investor. So, um, I'm, you know, they're a financial whiz. I'm making all this money and I can't wait to see you. And like, because I'm doing so well, like you should be able to. So when I see you, you have even more money. You should be able to cash in on this as well. Let me share with you what I'm doing. So now you're giving your love interest, your money, and they're crypto scamming you as opposed to having to give you a sob story in order to get the money. That's just happened in the last year or so. It's a really, really serious one. It's really taken off. So any any of your quote unquote love interests who you met on social media that tries to get you invest in crypto scams, uh, cryptocurrency, man, oh man, oh man, run away. Adam, that, Adam, that was Amanda. Yes. That happened to a pre previous guest on our, our podcast. Amanda had Italian, we called him, what did we call him? Lira Crypto? Yeah, Lira Crypto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
and he uh, he he sent along images to the uh, to the person we had on the show of Italian wine just to let her know that he was in fact from Italy. It was uh, and very rich. Yeah, it was a nice touch. One thing I'm wondering about is uh, we've gone over the romance scams, and so it, it totally makes sense how you can fold crypto into that. And um, people, it, it's sort of become a running joke about getting the uh, Nigerian prince uh, email scam and things like that. For these investing uh, for these investing scams, is there any new tack that they're trying, or is it really just the same old stuff? If you just swap out the word, you know, Nigerian prince with crypto or uh, investing or something, is there something new that's being uh, brought to the table here? Or is it just a uh, old school scam with the new currency. Well, by the way, speaking of the Nigerian scam, I've been doing this so long since Adam's been in diapers that, um, I have the original Nigerian letters. I mean, letters with stamps mm, wow. on from Nigeria <laughs> and then it went to a fax and then it went to, you know, email, but it's, mm -hmm. it's the pitch. It's the, it's the pitch that the same, that's the same and the technology is what changes. So they're still, they're still playing on greed. They're still playing on gullibility. They're still playing on get rich quick. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Even this, the technology has changed. It actually just helps them uh, make the scam seem more legitimate. Uh, you know, they they can use these bogus screenshots. They can have bogus websites. They can friend you. We don't stop and think that anybody can become a friend. They can they can use the stuff you put out on your Facebook account to become the person who wants to become your love interest, where before it would be a lot harder to figure all that kind of stuff out. So it's just that the technology has made it easier for them to figure out how to specifically target you and to let your guard down uh, and then to convince you that the scam is legitimate, where in the old days it was it was a lot harder to do that. I mean, a letter that says I have all the gold that Saddam Hussein left behind is a lot uh, harder than if you had today and you had a screenshot that showed the gold and you found it and somebody tested, you know, I, that kind of thing. It's just, it's the same appeal that is going on. It's just the technology makes it so much easier to target people and convince people that, I don't know why, and it's just it, studies have shown this people believe something digitally that they'd laugh at if somebody gave it to them in the linear world or the non-digital world. If somebody said this to you uh, and walked up to you on the street and says, hi, I have this bag of money. It's got a thousand dollars in it. Would you give me two thousand dollars or whatever? You'd, you'd laugh. You'd walk away. Get away from me, you idiot. All right, but now, now, I, okay, I have three observations. The first is, when I was in diapers, I actually was writing Nigerian scam letters. That that's how <laughs> I, I learned originally how to write. And I'm uh, wearing diapers right now. That's true. <laughs> and and then, that's the great thing about life. It's all a circle. We mm -hmm. start with diapers, <laughs> we end with diapers. Uh, but, but okay, but now, the, I think the cryptocurrency scam is a, is a little different than Nigerian scam because me too Nigerian, sure, Nigerian based on scam, fact. yeah it was about you were an heir to something that you weren't or that they were they were trying to but with cryptocurrency I mean people see regular people this is like when we went through the meme stock craze is regular people were like diving into stocks and they were going crazy and people were making a fortune well in this case Real people are becoming millionaires and billionaires on this. Uh, but that being said, a scam is a scam is a scam. Mm -hmm. So, But there is the FOMO. I, the FOMO thing is real. And mm -hmm. yeah, the Nigerian scam also, um, you could see the angle. Even if it wasn't like you're an heir to this or that, it was like you could see like, oh my gosh, if I do this, the tax hit is going to be so extreme that 
I lose no matter what. No matter what the angle was, you couldn't win. No, but you're thinking about taxes. A lot of people go, well, if I can work a deal with the Nigerian prince, maybe I could move the... Yeah, they were. They, those people were trying to be culpable as well. I mean, they were actually trying to do a scam so that you yeah. had to get people who were willing to commit a scam in order, yeah. in order to do this kind of thing. Right. Uh, you know. Okay, but okay, so but past that, outside of assuming everybody's trying to scam you, yeah, and checking if these sites and companies are actually official, what can people do to not get scammed about this? Only work with a licensed and registered securities broker, somebody locally in your state. You know, nobody's got the inside scoop. Nobody's got the inside deal. Nobody can get you more money than anybody else. If you want to take the risk with crypto, uh, then go to somebody who's licensed and, and registered to do this. Somebody you know where they are, you know where they can find you, where you can find them, and uh, who are, who's reputable. Doesn't mean your cryptocurrency investment is going to go up. But it at least means you're not going to get ripped off by the person who's who's taking your money. I think that's the best advice. And maybe start slowly, see how it goes, and uh, you know, don't put your entire life savings into anything. Don't put any money to crypto. You can't afford to lose. Crypto is is certainly a, a high risk investment, even if you're dealing with legitimate people. But uh, that's that would be the best advice. But you know, it's well, it's like going to Vegas, right? Yeah, only yeah. what you can afford to lose. But uh, right, you know. But if you deal with a con artist, you're going to lose everything, and that's the difference. You know, if you if you if you invest with a legitimate broker, somebody who can handle these investments, you might make some money if the market does well. If you deal with a con artist, you're guaranteed to lose. It's like the slot machine never pays out, and and you don't get stuck in that situation. Do you think there's a, a knowledge gap though with uh, more um, established securities brokers? I think one thing that might end up being um, presenting sort of a challenge there is that if I were to look up the people in my area who I can actually, who are um, verified, who are licensed, that I you know would feel more secure um, giving my currency to, I might just ask them about cryptocurrency. They might just look at me like they have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. A hundred percent. And the other thing is that, that there are, cryptocurrencies are like little businesses. So each one has a team that's working on it and that's pushing it and marketing it and driving it. And so there are insiders. You just, you know, they they have a certain smell to them. And in the line between hucksterism and these new cryptocurrencies is also sometimes really fuzzy. So I'm with Herb. If you want to invest in crypto, stick with the really, really proven cryptocurrencies. And you can do that by going to Coinbase, I think is a pretty good place to start. Right. Um, you know, Coinbase doesn't let you buy ones that aren't proven. Things can happen in the digital world, as you guys know. I mean, your podcast is called What the Hack, that that uh, that everybody thinks it's, it's because of the blockchain and the whole routine, it's perfectly safe. I mean, there have been hacks of the companies, who, legitimate companies who sold the crypto, like hundreds of millions of dollars. That can't, that, because this is a totally unregulated world, and I think this SEC and some other government agencies are going to try to do some kind of protection to people on our end. That they you could be wiped out in that and also I, there's a case you probably know the guy who's got his his uh, digital wallet and you get 10 tries to get the password and he's on number nine and yeah. and if he doesn't guess it on number 10 he's going to lose you yeah, 250 million dollars bye bye 
uh, I mean, that just, la vista, that baby. just doesn't happen with, you know, the, the, in the real world of other investing or the, the world of other investments. I mean, it's, it, it's totally the wild west with all the risks that are, that are totally inherent in the whole thing. And people just have to realize that. It is, uh, it is sort of funny with, um, decentralized finance platforms, which are or DeFi, the ones that keep on getting uh, hacked. There's just about every day, if not every week, a uh, headline there about, a. Uh, 100 million, 200 million, just sort of vanishing there. And the thing that the proponents for DeFi say is, we don't have all that uh, legal red tape that banks do. And <laughs> that yep, that, that sounds appealing until <laughs> your money goes away. Yeah. Right. Right. No one wants regulation. The well, regulation helps you, do. right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think Herb really hit on the FOMO thing, which is true for every single scam I can think of. Not every single scam, that's not true. But FOMO is a great motivator for people. Mm hmm. And whether it's a cryptocurrency or, you know, act now and you'll get a free vacuum cleaner, you know, whatever the lure is, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a big old hungry, dumb fish on the other end. <laughs> and, and, you know, in my career, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of scam victims and they almost always say the same thing at the end. How could they do this to me? You know, how could they steal my life savings? How could they, you know, I'm a senior on, uh, and I'm only living on social security and they took all my money. How could they do this kind of thing? And the answer is really obvious. They don't have a conscience. And I can tell you that because I talked to one guy once. This guy was at, uh, was arrested in a boiler room sting. He took in personally over a million dollars uh, over his, his career with this boiler room. And he was about to be sentenced and he was agreed to talk to me here in Seattle because he was hoping the judge would be go lighter on him because he cooperated to tell how the scam worked. And I asked him point blank, how do you sleep at night? What, what did you, first of all, I said, what do you do with all the money you made? And it was like, you know, it went to drugs, it went up my nose, it went to, we got the most expensive bottles of wine and champagne and sports cars and steak dinners. And, you know, it, it went in as fast, it went out as fast as it came in. And then I said, how do you sleep at night? I mean, you're stealing money, life savings from people. And he said, man, I sleep just fine. He says, my job is to steal your money and your job is to not fall for the con. And if you're too stupid to give me your money, that's your problem, not mine. That's where they're coming from. These guys have no conscience whatsoever. You cannot rely on the fact that somebody won't hurt you. You have to count on the fact that there are people out there, predators, sharks, who will hurt you and do just fine going to sleep that night and then doing it to somebody else the next day. And that is a reality check that everybody needs to realize. It reminds me a little bit of the TV series Mad Men. Not sure if anyone here has watched that, but at one point someone asked the main character, Don Draper. How do you sleep at night? A bed made of money. <laughs> and that's what I think about with these scammers. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. They just, you know, and if you're and if you're someone in one of these other poorer countries, if you scam somebody, your logic is, and I talked to one of them, A, you're all riches can be in America. You guys got more money than you know what to do with. You know, the roads are paved in gold. And if I get $10,000 from you, I made it for life. So it's mm -hmm. like, all I'm doing is balancing the equation. You know, I'm doing a little social justice here. So that's where these guys are coming from. And you got to realize that. to finish up a lot of the people who are crypto scam victims told me they got the tip from a friend like a real friend like somebody they recognize and to which i respond did you know your friend's account could be hacked it could not be your friend on facebook it could be the criminal who hacked your friend's facebook account that is telling you this kind of stuff but it, it also could be your friend who 
thought that was they got something that was cool they wanted to share with you and they never realized that they were sending you something Correct. that was infected. Correct. It's, exactly. it's also not really that heavy of a lift to set up a Facebook account, take someone's name or and then their image off of a Google image search yeah. and then just say, hey, I'm your friend, especially if they uh, can see your LinkedIn profile or something like that, and then just pretend to be one of your connections. Exactly. And I like the undo button metaphor because it's like, you know, carpentry too, you know, measure twice, cut once, because there's no such thing as a board stretcher. Right. Um, <laughs> you just, these things are permanent once you do them. Yep. Or they're, at least if they're not permanent, they're really annoying. Yeah. See, Herb, and, and, and when Bo talks about carpentry and everything, we're talking about Grizzly Dan now. Yeah. I mean, this is a man who moved to the country befriended Kenneth the Bear, and now pretty much does everything himself. The only thing he hasn't gone out is gone and shoot dinner because he doesn't believe in shooting things. No, I just tackle it and gnaw on its leg. But oh, the, okay. but, but, but you failed to mention, Adam, that I also have befriended Kenneth the Bear, we've named him, and I just, I take him around lovingly in the bucket of my tractor all over the property. And he just <laughs> likes to sit there with a cocktail and look at things. He's, he's a cute bear. Well, Bo, you actually, I went to uh, Syracuse and they have a forestry school there. You look like all the kids who are in forestry school. I, I do. I resemble that comment. Yeah. He's so rustic. He has wood burning COVID. <laughs> Herb, this has been awesome. Thank you. It was awesome. really fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thrilled to have had you on the show want to get you back again. Heaven knows you have a, a, a true inventory of great stories to share. And uh, we appreciate you coming on today and sharing. And if I might just say, if folks go to my website, consumerman.com, which I know you go to all the time, Adam, there's a, uh, there's a thing at the top where you can sign up for my weekly newsletter. You get all my checkbook stories. You get the links to the Consumerpedia podcast. The only one who sees that list besides me is Sam, my dog. I don't rent it, share it, sell it, give it to anybody. So you'll get a, a little newsletter from me every week with all the stuff going on in the consumer world. Oh, see, I thought when you said Sam, it was Uncle Sam. But okay, <laughs> no, this is, Sam, this my is dog. Good. We, we don't like to share with Uncle Absolutely Sam. Absolutely not. Take care. Uh, so, Travis, you mentioned there's a huge knowledge gap between financial advisors and the world of DeFi. Right. Can you talk a little more about that? Well, DeFi is relatively new. Uh, even though uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency at this point, several of them have matured, the entire idea of decentralized finance, it's a, it's a new world. That's also one of the things that makes it so hackable um, because they're each largely running on new and uh, sort of unvetted platforms. So it's something where there, you know, you could still end up uh, making money on an investment there. It's not to say that um, the entire thing is a scam, although I know some people might disagree with that. But you still need to invest wisely, even if it's not necessarily through a financial uh, advisor. Well, the people who disagree with it think it's a Ponzi scam, uh, you know. But there are there are cryptocurrencies that are designed, for instance, to just stay at a dollar value all the time. And then there are other that, which is just a project, basically a math project. And there are other ones where you just don't know if they're legit. And I, I, if, if we don't know they're legit and we're sort of, you know, dipping our toes in the, in the water of crypto, then for sure you're, you know, the person in charge of buying and selling stocks for you on the New York stock exchange or the NASDAQ, or even if you're doing, you know, some, some over the counter stocks, 
they're not going to know anything about those those new issue issue those newly issued currencies. And when you're talking about investing, you can't just live your life praying that Elon Musk or Mark Cuban are going to say something that will propel your particular cryptocurrency to the moon. Well, it's something too that uh, if you are looking to invest in a cryptocurrency, there are a few just telltale things I think that can make it a more secure investment. With that being the case, it would have the caveat that it's less likely to go from being uh, Bitcoin at $10 a decade ago or so. Um, Bitcoin's been around a while. That's the sort of thing where I don't think that that's necessarily fly by night. Whereas if someone is uh, launching a new uh, cryptocurrency to support a new product or something like that, I'd be pretty skeptical. Well, you know, but however, if I would say this, like, do you know uh, Elon Musk? Do you know Adam Levin? Do you know... Um, Mike Tyson, and do you know former President Obama? Because if that you would do, be an incredible cocktail party, it would. And if you knew all those people, and someone at that party was starting a new cryptocurrency, you should buy it, right? <laughs> so, but if you don't know any of those people, and you're at a, your kid's little league game, and Jake wants to sell you a new cryptocurrency he's working on, you should just maybe give him a dollar. No, Jake, right. Jake should stay with State Farm and stay out of cryptocurrency. I think it'd be better for all of us. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely an interesting world and there are some interesting applications and there's still money to be made there. But I think one of the main things that Herb was saying, which is, uh, I think, just totally solid advice is just be careful. And if something sounds too good to be true, just assume it's a scam. And never, ever, ever play with more money than you can afford to lose that would change your lifestyle. There are risky investments. There are more predictable investments. Uh, you know, we've seen over the past few months that even the investments that we thought weren't that risky, they were sure wins, like some of the big tech companies have now become riskier. So if it becomes risky, at least for a period of time, to own stocks like Twitter and Facebook and Amazon and Google, Imagine what it's like to be playing in cryptocurrency, which could be 30 cents yesterday, $400 tomorrow, and 10 cents the day after. Speaking of which, Adam, I want my $10 back. You can't have it. I want it back. You can't have it. Travis, Travis said Bo doesn't get it back. It's true. You know, but I don't believe that there's anything called Adamito. <laughs> there's totally Adamito. All right, well, it better go up because I'm really hoping to get some money out of it. Actually, Kenneth the Bear is going to be a new <laughs> form of cryptocurrency. Bear. Bearito. Ken Bear. <laughs> bear coin. That's it, Bear coin. When I wrap Kenneth the Bear up in a blanket, I call him a Bearito. <laughs> the <Boom>. big Bearito. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, do you, know how to, do you know how to really make a small fortune? Start with a big one. Put a big one into Adamito. <laughs> so maybe you can just give an Adamito coin to everyone who rates and reviews the show. I would love that. Okay. And in You'll fact, do it? If, if you will rate and review the show hmm. and give us five stars hmm. and then send us a note going, it was me, then we will send you an Adamito coin. Oh my gosh. And that means that my $10 in Adamito might still be worth $10. It'll be worth at least a thousand Adamitos. <laughs> right. Adamitos. The big question, you'll know we've made it big when you can buy Doritos 
with Adamitos. <laughs> <laughs>